0: Hi everyone, Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Wednesday, May thirty first, two thousand and twenty three. It's four fifteen in the afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States. Here are your hot topics, and it's all uh, it's all across the board: uh, domestic policy, uh, domestic domestic politics, uh, and of course, Ukraine. We, we'll start with Republicans contending that they will hold FBI Director Chris Wray in contempt for refusing to hand over a document allegedly detailing Joe Biden's personal part in a $5 billion bribery scheme with foreign nations. Okay, you may have heard about this. Uh, The House Oversight Committee, chaired by uh, Congressman Jim Comer, Republican of Kentucky, uh, says that they have uh, a whistleblower uh, who has seen a document in the FBI's uh, possession uh, which demonstrates the Joe Biden's personal involvement when he was vice president of the United States uh, in a bribery uh, scheme. Uh, whether the bribery scheme happened, whether he actually committed the bribery, we don't know. They can't seem to find the uh, whistleblower, uh, but the whistleblower did tell investigators for the House Oversight Committee that the whistleblower had seen the document. Okay, now that's largely indisput- uh, not disputed. What is also largely not disputed is that this House committee sent a subpoena to Chris Ray, the director of the FBI, demanding to see the document, and Ray has refused to produce it. Now the House committee says they're going to uh, vote to ask the full House to hold Director Ray uh, in contempt. Now, you'll know if they are serious by whether they do a political contempt or a legal contempt. Political contempt is a vote by the House of Representatives. It'll be absolutely one sided in which the Republicans, the majority will say, we hold you in contempt, Chris Ray, because you refuse to uh, comply with our uh, lawful subpoena. And there it will end and no one will harm a hair on Chris Ray's head a uh, legal contempt would be for the house of representatives to commence an action against chris ray in the united states court of appeal uh, the united states uh, district court for the district of columbia circuit just a couple of blocks from the capitol building uh, in in which a federal judge orders him to comply with the subpoena and then if he doesn't supply the federal judge will dispatch this is unthinkable U.S. Marshals to arrest the director of the FBI. That's a contempt that will sting and be meaningful. It will affect his freedom. It will affect his job. It will affect his license to practice law. Prediction, they'll do the political contempt. They will not do the legal contempt. Houses of representatives have held attorneys general in contempt for refusal to comply. But unless and until they commence an action and get a judge to order this, you know that this is all politics and hot air. We'll see. I don't know what the story is with the whistleblower that they can't find the whistleblower. Uh, Congressman Comer told my uh, former colleagues and friends at Fox News, we can't find the whistleblower. We interviewed the whistleblower. We have the whistleblower's testimony uh, under oath. We believe the whistleblower. We believe that this document existed. We believe this document still exists. We believe the FBI has it. We don't know where the whistleblower is. That's almost ridiculous. That would be ferreted out by the uh, federal judge in federal court if they take the legal contempt route. If they don't, if they are too weak to do that, which I predict that they are, then again, this contempt of Chris Ray will be nothing but a footnote. It won't harm a hair on his head, on his head and significantly, excuse me, it won't result in giving the, coughing up the document. If Chris Ray thinks he's going to go to jail, he's going to cough up that document, no matter what it says. But if he thinks he can get away with this, we'll never see uh, the document. President Zelensky of Ukraine announced over the weekend a a sort of G7 meeting uh, in uh, Kyiv. Actually, it would be G8, uh, which is G7 plus Russia. Russia, of course, has been pretty much kicked out of G7 since the Ukraine war. But the purpose of this uh, is to discuss peace proposals. Well, there's only one peace proposal that will work, and that's a ceasefire. Uh, I am confident the Russians would agree to a ceasefire right where everybody is now but the Ukrainians of course won't agree to that ceasefire they won't agree to a ceasefire until Russia leaves what they consider Ukraine which is obviously uh, not going to happen uh, nevertheless the idea that the G7 and I don't think it's the actual heads of state I don't think Joe Biden's going to be there but Tony Blinken the U.S. Secretary of State might be there the Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin might be there the uh, National Security Advisor, uh, Jake Sullivan, uh, might be there. Victoria Newland, she'll be there. Perhaps Lindsey Graham will be there. That type of uh, high-ranking individual in the foreign policy apparatus or involved some way in the foreign policy apparatus of the same seven countries that just met in Hiroshima, Japan, uh, the place where we dropped the first atomic bomb and from which Joe Biden announced uh, that uh, F-16 fighter jets made in the United States and sold to American allies in Europe will now be uh, delivered to President Zelensky, though representatives of those countries will be meeting. It, it's uh, it's a farce. Nothing uh, will come of it. Uh, Zelensky's no more interested in a ceasefire uh, than the Russians are. Uh, in the past two days, uh, Russian or, or Ukrainian drones... Are they Ukrainian? We'll get to that in a minute. Have attacked Russian uh, oil refineries uh, and destroyed $100 million uh, worth of equipment and oil. Uh, Dmitry Medvedev, who's the deputy chair of the Russian National Security Council, the former president of Russia, President Putin for two terms, Dmitry Medvedev for one term, President Putin for three terms. He's now in the third consecutive term the fifth term overall. At the time, Dmitry Medvedev was the president of Russia. The Russian constitution uh, did not permit you to succeed yourself more than once, just like the U.S. Constitution. That has since been changed, just to give you a picture of who he is. He has identified the source of these drones as British, British made, British sent. So the Brits, according to former president, Medvedev have attacked Russian military installations in Russia. What does that mean? Well, that means that under the law, the Russians can attack Great Britain. This is really getting out of hand, and it's getting out of hand because the West is pushing Russia's hand. The West is using Ukraine as a battering ram. The United States is determined to start World War III. If you watch this show, you've seen these clips. the deputy secretary of state victoria newland saying that the ukrainians should attack crimea crimea has been russia since 1730 1730 60 years before the united states constitution came into existence she wants the ukrainians to attack crimea and the united states to support it if you watch this show you've seen clips of Hungarian uh, Prime Minister Viktor Orban saying uh, NATO is making this worse. But NATO's heart isn't even in it. If it was, NATO would send troops, but it's not. NATO is just paying lip service because they all know, they all know that Ukraine will lose. Now enters the British, using their own drones to fly from God knows where, probably an American base somewhere in Western or Eastern Europe, to destroy 100 million dollars worth of oil and oil refinery equipment in russia that does not look good prime minister of russia and of excuse me of great britain and whoever made that decision all right you all know this one because we've been playing the tapes over and over and the tapes of course are also being played uh on regular uh, television that over the uh, American uh, Memorial Day weekend, by the way, it's a three-day weekend in in, uh, Europe as well. It's Pentecost. So from the days when most of Europe was Catholic, uh, Monday was Pentecost Monday, a holiday in nearly all of Europe. I only know that because I was just there. So they had a three-day weekend. We had a three-day weekend. Uh, The Russian Orthodox Pentecost is not for another two weeks, but the weekend was shattered in Moscow by drones, which landed and exploded relatively harmlessly, it did some damage to high-rise buildings uh, in a what's described as a high-end neighborhood in Moscow, about ten minutes from the official residence of uh, President Putin. Um, here, there, there it is. You can see that explosion. Colonel Schaefer says five hundred uh, to uh, eight to a thousand pounds of explosives colonel mcgregor says a lot less but either way uh, enough to do uh, a lot of damage colonel mcgregor uh, says fired from inside russia so pro-ukrainian russians firing uh drones inside russia could you imagine if that happened in the u.s in any country in the world that person would be arrested for uh, terrorism or treason Uh, and for uh, attempted murder. We'll see what happens. We'll see uh, if they caught anybody. President Putin wasn't there. President Putin wasn't hurt. No one was hurt. Uh, But there are some photographs around. You can Google them, uh, and you'll see uh, damage to high-rise buildings. You'll see a burnt-out area. You'll see a a window that's gone. You'll see an air conditioner. It looks like uh, it's damaged. Why attack a residential uh, area? Uh, I guess it's some sort of an effort to tell President Putin that the enemy is within. It's hard to believe that the are, Ukrainian military is crazy enough to do this. On the other hand, if it is, and if it is Ukrainian, we know that the U.S. Uh, CIA knew about it and reported it, and, and the American government either encouraged it or looked the other way. I'm not sure uh, which is worse. Hungary's Viktor uh, Orban gave a very, very uh, articulate and compelling statement. We'll play it for you uh, in a minute, and then I'll comment on it after he says it. But listen to it. It's it's longish as these statements go. It's maybe uh, a minute, 35 seconds. But he's very articulately saying, and here's a country that was invaded by the Russians in 19, the Soviets in 1956 when he was a boy. Remember seeing the tanks? Um, uh, but he's basically saying, look my heart goes out to the ukrainian people nobody wants to endure this kind of war let's let's face it they can't win and nato knows they can't win because nato is not putting troops on the ground here's hungarian uh, prime minister Viktor orban brilliant
1: you you made a great deal about 19 uh, I'm 1956 uh, yeah, yeah. and fighting for freedom you have a neighbor who is invaded by russia the very country you know, you grew up with pictures of tanks going into Budapest. You know, why are you opposing no, the European aid? No, no, it's, it's emotionally. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's tragic. So, so we, all of our heart is with the Ukrainians. We understand how much they suffer. But I'm speaking here as a politician who should save lives. So, The most important thing for the international political communities to save lives. Especially when you are convinced, as I do, that there is no chance to win this war. So therefore, what we should do far more energy invest into to convince everybody that the only solution is ceasefire. And then, after the ceasefire, peace talks should start. And then we could back to your point. Yeah. But do you you really think there is no chance of Ukraine winning? That's my point. Surely the main. Surely the. they stand very little chance of winning without the aid which you are currently blocking. No, no. My, my, my position is that uh, looking at the reality, uh, looking at the figures, looking at the surroundings, looking at the fact that NATO is not ready to send troops, it's obvious that there is no victory for uh, poor Ukrainians on the battlefield.
0: It is obvious, looking at the facts, that since NATO won't send troops, even NATO doesn't believe that Ukraine can win. You may have heard me uh, express an opinion on this in my interview with Colonel McGregor earlier today. I said then, and I say now, I was uh, surprised uh, at the uh, intellectual honesty and articulation that came uh, from President Putin. It's uh, uh, my own fault. I don't know that much about him. Um, I know that he's in NATO, I know that Hungary's in NATO, and I know that he has voted against any kind of aid, and Hungary won't give uh, any aid, and now we know why. His heart is with the Ukrainian people, but his head says they're going to lose, and why should we extend the war? Same argument you've heard here from Larry Johnson, from Colonel McGregor, from Scott Ritter, uh, from Phil uh, Giraldi, from Ray McGovern, uh, and from me. Rand Corporation just did uh, a study uh, interviewing uh, teachers around the United States, and more than a half a million of them are prepared to be armed in class in order to stop a mass, su- uh, a mass shooter. Uh, even more of them uh, say uh, that uh, more of them should be carrying guns uh, because that's the only way to stop the shooter. They're willing to be trained. And they're willing to carry the guns visibly to deter shooters from using it. We used to run these um, uh, photos of signs outside of schools. Gun-free school zone. Stay away. Well, that's like saying, come here and shoot fish in a barrel. Or the children in this school are protected by armed guards. Proceed at your own risk. Which of those two signs is going to deter a murderous thug? to the extent that the thug reads and, ra- and reasons the way the rest of us do, it's obviously the latter. But knowing that administrators and teachers are carrying weapons and prepared to use them in order to protect the lives of the children, that is what will deter the students. Is it, is it an optimal situation? Of course not. When I was... Uh, In grade school, I couldn't imagine the teacher carrying a gun. But there weren't these mass uh, shootings uh, then. Uh, The lack of Judeo-Christian morality, uh, the teaching by schools that anything goes, uh, the teaching uh, by schools that you can do anything you want and get away with it, fosters this culture that if you hate somebody or if you hate the group to which the person belongs, go get a gun and kill them. And when this happens, the only way to stop the killer is with another gun, either by the police, who are often courageous but not there when this starts, rarely there when it starts, or by a good guy with a gun. In this case, a teacher uh, or uh, an administrator. Uh, You may have heard of this um, homicide that occurred on a New York City uh, subway car recently recently where an ex-marine now a college student he's about 22 or 23 named daniel uh, penny choked the guy to death uh the guy was a homeless person interestingly very talented uh there's daniel uh, penny uh there's the conflagration on the uh on the subway the the rear end that you see is not the guy that died that that guy is holding down the guy that died penny applied a marine corps instructed Uh, chokehold. And according to the um, medical examiner, applied it too hard and crushed the windpipe and this guy died. The issue now is this homicide or not. Why am I bringing this to your attention? Because Daniel Penny is going to do the unthinkable. He's going to testify before the grand jury investigating him. I say unthinkable rarely happens in my own years as a criminal defense lawyer. Once did I advise and the client took my advice and the jury did not indict him let a client testify before the grand jury. Uh, it's very difficult to do because lawyers are not there. The judge is not there. You don't know what the grand jury knows. You don't know what questions they're going to ask you. It requires a lot of preparation and courage and fidelity to the truth. Because if you mislead the grand jury, they're going to indict you for perjury as well as for the underlying crime. It's a very courageous thing for him to do and I would advise him to do the same. In my view, this is a form of homicide. Uh, because he, he, he crushed the windpipe of this uh, poor, uh, disheveled, disheveled, foul, menacing, but utterly and ultimately harmless person. No uh, weapon on him, uh, no means to use deadly force. The law is you can only use deadly force on your attacker when you perceive that the attacker has or is about to employ deadly force. This kid was not the attacker, and he didn't have deadly force. Okay, you'll hear these arguments till we're blue in the face. But the, the news peg on this is that this uh, young man, the curly-haired, blonde-haired kid, the ex-Marine who performed this uh, chokehold that resulted in death, is going to testify directly to the grand jury that seeks to indict him. If he If they don't indict him, it will be a marvelous and courageous thing. If they do indict him, I think he'll be convicted, and rightly so. Republicans got outsmarted by a president who can't find his pants. Woo! Representative Nancy Mace, Republican of South Carolina, as she joins uh, the growing chorus of uh, Republicans in the House of Representatives. Uh, At the time she said this, which was a few hours ago, uh, there were 24 Republicans voting no on McCarthy's debt ceiling debacle. Why is it a debacle? Because it doesn't raise the debt ceiling, it removes it. It allows Joe Biden's Treasury Department to borrow as much money as it wants. It's a killer for debt. Right now, the country's debt is $31.4 trillion. If this thing passes, A, it will show that Kevin McCarthy is just a big government guy who has no more uh, fidelity to the Constitution or small government um, uh, than the man in the moon does. And B, it will allow Joe Biden and his folks in the Treasury Department to increase the debt from $31 trillion without limit. It'll probably go to 37 or $38 trillion. At that rate, by 2025, that's a trillion a year in interest on the debt, right off the top. They will be borrowing money in order to pay interest on borrowed money. Can you imagine a bank letting you do that? Of course not. Well, the federal government has no credit rating. But that's what it will probably do. Mitch McConnell's in favor of this. The big government Republicans. Those are the Republicans who are pro-war, pro-welfare state, pro-national security state, pro-big government. They're not interested in shrinking the government as Republicans once were. They're interested in their version of big government. And that's what they will give us. By allowing Joe Biden, who, according to Congresswoman Mace, can't find his pants. That is brutal. But yes, he did outsmart Kevin McCarthy because he got McCarthy to agree to debt without limit. That will crush the taxes that will be imposed on your children and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. As a president, as yet unborn, scrambles to pay back this debt. How old is the debt? We're still paying back money Woodrow Wilson borrowed to fight World War I. $30 billion. billion with a B. How much interest have we paid on it? The federal government, $15 billion with a B. That's a 50% interest rate. You can only imagine how much worse things will get. More as we get it. Scott Ritter back on Friday. Larry Johnson tomorrow. Doug McGregor, Colonel McGregor. Uh, Gary, uh, posted it already. It's a 30 minute interview. You don't want to miss it. Thank you for watching. Please share and tell your friends. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.